a moment. I'm going to say Merry Christmas. And when I do, I want you to return uh, and I want to hear the emphasis behind it, knowing that we're still in a stupid pandemic. We thought we would be past, but we still believe it's worth showing up to worship Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Come on, somebody. All right. All right. I love it. Yeah. So incredibly grateful to have each and every one of you with us today. I know we have several guests with us today. And so if you're a guest with us, my name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. And there's a lot of faces that I've never seen before. Some faces that I haven't seen for a long time. Like a really long, no, I'm not putting any church guilt on anyone, but truly glad and grateful for each and every one of you to be with us today. Well, do you remember Like, do you really remember a time that just seemed to go a little bit slower? A time that seemed to be a little bit more simple. Those times where we were experiencing the moments in front of us and we weren't just like waiting to post those on social media, but instead we were just embracing that moment in front of us as a memory in our minds. And the people that were experiencing that moment with us, man, it was enough, it was enough. You see, I do think, I think we lose something when we're constantly thinking about, hey, how, other, how are other people going to see what I'm experiencing now? And so what we have a tendency to do is, yeah, we may be in the midst of a moment, but we're thinking about like, hey, how am I gonna, how am I gonna post about this? Like, how can I see this moment through the lens of how other people will perceive it? And when we do that, I really do think we lose something. I mean, it's probably common sense, right? I mean, how can you be fully present for the moment in front of you if you're just thinking about how you're gonna post it? Now, to be clear, this is not a sermon or a motivational speech on why we need to get rid of all technology from our lives, okay? I promise you that's not where I'm going with this. I think we would all probably agree that modern technology has given us a lot of very healthy advancements, whether it's communication or medicine or education, maybe it's military defense. There's a lot of positive things about it. But what I would suggest... What I would suggest to each and every one of us today is that we often overlook the simple. I think simple is underrated. And I think sometimes if we'll embrace simple in the right posture and in the right way, actually simple can be what's best for our soul. Take this candle, for example, simple. And on its own in a room that is powered by electricity, I mean, it's not going to be that useful. It's not going to be very effective. But if you were to put this in a dark room or if the electricity were to go out, now this candle becomes incredibly effective. I think back to a time when Emily and I were married early in our marriage. We were living, living in Kentucky and there was an ice storm that came through and downed a bunch of power lines and hundreds of thousands of people were th- without power. And we went almost a week in our own home without power. And all we had was candlelight and our fireplace, wood burning fireplace. It was simple, it was simple, but it was effective. And it's a memory that we still carry with us today. All of us have likely made the mistake at some point to miss the effectiveness of something because we just thought it was too simple. I mean, how could that be effective if it's that simple? I mean, once again, take this flame, for instance. The, the flame on this candle is probably only an inch high, right? I mean, how co- effective could that be? But if all the lights were to go off in this room, if the exit signs went out, and we truly couldn't see anything, but all we had was this candlelight, and I were to tell you, hey, make your way to the stage by this inch tall candlelight, each of you could find your way to the stage. Now, you may have to trample a few kids in the process and turn over a few chairs, but ultimately you would make your way here. But without it, 
Without it, we would all be lost in the dark. And I know there's somebody in here right now, well, what about our cell phone? Shut up, you're messing up my illustration, okay? <laughs> we don't say shut up, kids. We don't, we don't say, don't listen to Pastor Aaron. And that leads me to a question for all of us today. Because there's something, if you think about a candlelight, and some of you that like sitting around fires at you know, campsites and stuff, you're gonna be able to identify with this too. When we're in the midst of darkness, when we're in the midst of darkness, there's something about a fire, specifically a light that comes from a flame that just draws our eyes to it, doesn't it? It's almost as if when we're in the midst of darkness, our mind, our bodies were created to be attracted to the light. And so I wanna ask you a question today. What are your eyes, like right now, what are your eyes fixed to? I want you to hold that thought. This past several weeks, we've been in a series here at Trace, and if you're just joining us today, you wouldn't know this, so I'll fill you in a little bit, but we were in a series called Wonderland, where we were talking about the importance of wonder and awe in our life. And we talked about how oftentimes we have to wonder about things because when we don't have all the information, there's a gap, right? And so to fill the gap between what we know and what we don't know, we often have to fill those gaps with wonder. And so we looked at subjects like the kingdom of heaven, Jesus was once teaching his disciples how to pray and he said, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, as followers of Jesus, one of our primary responsibilities is to live in such a way that we bring aspects of heaven to this earth until Jesus comes back and actually reestablishes this earth and all things are made new. And he tells us about the kingdom of heaven that it's here, but it's not yet. He tells us it's within us, but it's not fully come and so that leads us to wonder. And then we talked about childlike faith, a sentiment that we've all likely shared at some point in our life, but how, how many of us have actually taken the time to define what that means? What does it mean to have childlike faith? And it's a pretty important thing, believe it or not, because Jesus said he wants us to approach the kingdom of heaven like a child. And so it leads us to wonder, maybe there's something about this season for you as it is for me that causes me to tap into my childlike nature once again. And then last week, we looked at the subject of heaven. Man, talking about wonder. What will that moment be like? What will that moment be like for those of us who follow Jesus when we get to stand in front of him, finally, face to face, being able to touch him, to hear him, Maybe even to smell him, I don't know. And what will that moment be like when all the darkness in our life, however you would define that, when all the darkness in our life begins to dissolve and disappear? One of the reasons that I love the Christmas season is because it has a tendency to bring and breed and even build wonder back in me because as an adult, maybe you're like me, most of us are like the rest of us and I just have a tendency to kind of lose that along the way. I get so caught up in the chaos of life and all my responsibilities that along the way, I just kind of lose the importance of having awe and wonder um, specifically about God and Jesus and my faith. And there's something about this season that starts to bring that out of me once again, and now having four children of my own, I'm trying to figure out how do I supplement that into their own lives? And I hope you can identify with that. I really do. 
But I also know that this season has a tendency to surface a few things, to reveal a few things about each of our lives. Yeah, one of those could be more wonder and awe about who God is, but the other one actually could be just the opposite and it's wonder. You see, yeah, we can be filled with wonder or right now we might be recognizing in this season as we're supposed to be focused on Jesus that we've actually wandered away from where we once were. We've wandered away from where maybe we wish we could be. Now, let me pause there for a second if it's okay, because a lot of you don't know me, which means you don't know that not only did I spend part of my life wandering, I would say I was wayward, and I was running away from God, doing my own life, living, living the dream, whatever you want to call it, you know, doing my own thing. But it was that very thing that led me to darker places in my life, finally realizing that God was calling me to come back to the light. Maybe that's you today. Maybe today, if you were to take a real honest assessment of where you're at, you would say, you know what, that's me. I've wandered. I'm not where I once was. I'm not where I wish I could be. I know I'm not where God would want me. And if that's you, first I wanna let you know that your heavenly father doesn't want you to feel guilty because of your wandering, of your waywardness. He wants to remind you of his grace today. He wants to remind you that if you'll turn around, guess where he'll be? He'll be right in front of you. You don't have to go figure th some things out and fix some things first. He'll be right there. All week long, I've been coming into this room every day and I've been sitting in this room in one of those chairs right there and I've just been praying. I've been praying, God, would you use this service? There's something about a Christmas Eve service that kind of brings our attention back to what matters the most. And I've been praying for each of you, honestly. I didn't know who you would be necessarily, but I've been praying, God, every one of the people that sits in these seats, God, would you just allow this service, no matter how long they've been following Jesus, maybe they've never followed Jesus, but God, would you allow this Christmas Eve service to meet them in the midst of whatever moment that they may find themselves in, whatever dire circumstances that they may find themselves in. And if they've wandered away from where you want them to be, that this service would become a catalyst to lead them back to the light. Maybe to a life that's more simple. Maybe to a life that's a little bit slower. I wholeheartedly believe church that when we gather together like this, whether it's Christmas Eve service or any other time, when we gather together like this, when we come together underneath the banner and name of Jesus, I believe that God's power and God's presence is made more available, which means I believe the Holy Spirit is working powerfully in this room even as I speak. And he doesn't need me. I believe that when we gather in agreement that God's abilities to get your attention, to, to help you to see the error of your ways, to help you to understand that he's got something better. He's got something better for you. And so one of the things I'd like for us to do, just to be reminded of what are we agreeing on? We're gathering in agreement. Well, what are we agreeing on? I'd like to do something a little bit different, especially because today is a nostalgic Christmas Eve. I wanna go back to something that the a lot of churches, if you've come from more traditional churches or liturgical churches like the Catholic Church, this will be um, a nice refresher for you, but we don't do this here at Trace on a regular basis. But what I'd like for us to do is read through the, Apostle, the Apostles' Creed together. And so I'll try to read at a cadence that you can keep up with me. But if you'll be open to reading this out loud with me, I'd really appreciate it. Let's read this. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, 
We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, God's holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting in all God's people said. Amen. And if that is true, if all of that is true, then no matter how far you have wandered, and the reason I can speak from this particular posture and position with so much passion, because I promise you, this is a guy that did a lot of wandering. And so if this is you, I don't care how far you feel from God today. I don't care if you came here just out of obligation because your girlfriend comes here. I don't care if you're here and you really didn't expect to get anything out of it, but now something may be stirring within your soul. That's how God works. I don't care how far you've wandered. What I want you to do is to fix your eyes on Jesus, to fix your eyes on him. Maybe for some of you, it's once again that you would fix your eyes on Jesus once again. The author and the perfecter of our faith right here, it says the pioneer and the perfecter. You know what that means? It's two different extremes of Jesus's life. The pioneer, when he came into this world as a baby, he was pioneering a new way of life for us. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and he perfected it. He perfected our faith by walking out of a grave. The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And ready for this, this is gonna blow our minds. If it doesn't, something's wrong with you. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What kind of joy could have been sat before Jesus in order for him to endure a Roman crucifixion? What kind of joy does that look like? What, is, what was it, what could it have been to get Jesus to endure a Roman crucifixion, the most brutal form of execution known to man, at the time at least? Let me pause there for a second. A couple weeks ago, I was preaching a sermon and I talked to many of us about the subject of joy and I was letting us know and reminding us that joy, regardless of our circumstances, is still available. Regardless of your circumstances right now, I wholeheartedly believe that joy can still fill your heart and your homes this Christmas. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit and so if God's Spirit is inside of you, if God's Spirit inside of you, he's producing this within you. He's producing joy. But what is the joy set before Jesus? please take a moment and embrace what I tell you next. What is the joy set before Jesus? It's you. It's you. This is not a spiritual platitude. It's you. You can put your name there if you want. It's you. Jesus had joy set before him because he wanted to give you an opportunity to one day stand in front of him and let the darkness dissipate and disappear and dissolve off of your light off of your life as you come to the light. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, now sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. In the next two words, I could preach an entire sermon on it. I probably will one day. So would you consider him? Today, would you consider him? As you go back to your homes, whatever festivities that you have, in store, whatever you've planned, would you, would you consider him? For those of you that are with us today and maybe you don't have faith, 
Maybe you have a lot of doubt about all this. Listen, this is a place where you can wrestle with all that. We want to invite you to come and wrestle with your doubts here. If you don't know anything about this church, it's a place you can stop pretending because you can't hide and heal at the same time. Amen? Consider him today. Consider him when you go home. Consider him when you wake up every morning. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you see the compare contrast there? Because I believe what we're being told in this particular passage from Hebrews is that if you feel like you're growing weary and losing heart, it's probably because you didn't consider him. So would you consider him? Trace, where has your focus potentially Where's your focus potentially wandered? In other words, if you were to take inventory right now, right now, if you were to take inventory in your life, where would you have to say your focus is? I'm not asking where you want it to be or where, it's use, where, it, where it once was or where it used to be, but where is it right now? And is that a place that has led you to more light or more darkness? And maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, geez, Aaron, this is Christmas Eve. I didn't come here for a guilt trip, to which I'd say fair enough. But I'd also tell you, I think one of the best things I can give you, one of the best things that you can give yourself this Christmas Eve is an honest assessment of where your focus really is. The story of Christmas has a way of helping us to reevaluate our motivations bringing us back hopefully to what matters the most in our lives. When you think about this, millions of people, tens of millions of people, followers of Jesus are gathered just like us right now all around the world. Just think, think about that for a second. Tens of millions of followers of Jesus gathered with us underneath the banner of Jesus to worship a God that we know didn't just come into this world as a baby, but he walked out of a grave about 33 years later. Would you consider him? Millions of people gathered together to come and worship him, even as I speak. It kind of blows my mind. And why do we come together and we worship a God? Well, we wouldn't be doing this if we thought we were following a dead leader. And so we really do believe that a miracle took place. And it wasn't the miracle of the virgin birth. I'm talking about the miracle of the resurrection because listen to me, if Jesus didn't walk out of that grave, then there would be no reason for us to show up and celebrate a virgin birth. But because we believe, because we believe that Jesus walked out of that grave, that's why we show up and we we serve and we worship a virgin birth. We remember what Christ did to come into this world on our behalf. And we say, thank you, God. You see, if the resurrection of Jesus didn't take place, then a lot of what I'm saying right now are just empty words. But if the resurrection of Jesus did take place, no matter how far you have wandered, Jesus is still waiting for you to bring you back to the light, to bring you back to a purpose that's much greater, a purpose that's so much more fulfilling than maybe where you find yourself in this moment. The apostle John 
said something in John chapter one about Jesus being the light once that I wanna read to us this evening. He says, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it, never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he was stepping into your personal darkness. This Christmas season, I want to invite you to invite Jesus back into the center of your focus. And one of the things I'd love to encourage each and every one of you to do, if you'll take me up on this, I think you'll appreciate it. I would love for you either this evening or tomorrow evening to read the Christmas story as it's represented in Luke chapter two in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter two, remember that. But this time I want you to read it by candlelight. And I want you to think about the things that are a little bit more simple. Maybe remember a time that was a little bit slower because I really do believe that simple oftentimes is good for the soul. And you're gonna get a candle here and just, or actually you already got this, didn't you? When you walked in, you can feel free to take this home with you. You can use these candles as you read the Christmas story together. Friends, one day, whatever our eyes are fixed to, whatever it is, whatever our eyes are fixed to other than Jesus right now, that will fade away. And the only thing that will be left, the only thing that will count is our faith and our hope and our love. Don't take it from me, take it from the Apostle Paul when he said, love, it never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance, every circumstance. And then later he said, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And we all know that love has a name. Jesus entered into this world in the most humbling of ways, and he exited this world in the most horrific of ways. But in that space in between, in that space in between, he taught us some incredible things. And he used different things to illustrate for us what he wanted us to do and how it was he wanted us to represent his love. But maybe the most simple, which we've learned today, can still be incredibly effective. Maybe the most simple illustration that he ever used was a light. In Matthew chapter five, he says, you, 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 you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. You see, if we wanna represent light in a dark world, then we have to make sure that we're living the example that Jesus has giving, given us. And if we'll all be the light, like individually, probably not gonna make that big of a difference, but if we will all leave here understanding that we are representation of the true light, the one true light who gives light to everyone, that we represent that light, if we'll do that together, we become incredibly, church, incredibly effective. So this Christmas, I'm gonna close with this. This Christmas, I want you to consider him. Consider him. Consider him who stepped out of heaven so that one day you could step into it. 
Consider him who gave up everything so that we could have the greatest gift of all, salvation. Consider him who chose to enter into this world as a baby, giving him the same experiences and struggles and later even temptations so that our God, think about it, that our God, the God that we've showed up to worship today can actually identify and empathize with our very own struggle and pain and temptation. Consider him who came to offer all of us a kind of light that darkness would never overcome. I'm gonna invite Tyler and Nikki back up here to lead us in a song that I don't know what it does for you, but every year when I sing this song, it helps me to slow down, helps me to remember a more simpler time, reminds me of what matters the most. And so can I encourage you today as you sing this, as we all sing this together and your candle is lit and you have this small little one inch flame in front of you, I want, to, I want you to be reminded that sometimes simple is even more effective. Sometimes simple is good for the soul. And I want you to be reminded that God has called you to be a light in a dark world. And that if we'll do it together, how effective we could be because you know as well as I do, there's a lot of darkness out there to overcome. Maybe as you look at the light today, you're reminded that, you know what? God, I know I've wandered away from where you want me to be, but I'm gonna be reminded that if I'll meet you in this moment, you'll meet me right here and you'll help me to start moving more towards light and away from darkness. I don't know what this moment needs to be for you, but I pray it's whatever I've been praying for all week because for some of you, this is exactly what you needed. I'm gonna pray and invite Tyler and Nikki up here to join me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this evening, the opportunity to show up and celebrate, not a story, but the reality, the reality of you coming into this world coming as a baby and sometimes we get wrapped up in the story. It's a story we hear every year if we come to these kind of services. We, we know how the story goes. God, I don't want us to miss, I don't want us to miss what it is that you wanna do in our lives because we're just kind of going through the rhythms or the motions again. God, I want this moment to be a moment where if you need to capture somebody's attention that you'll capture their attention that if somebody needs to just be overwhelmed by your grace right now, they'll be overwhelmed by your grace. If somebody needs to know that you won't give up on them, even though they have not just been wandering, but they have been wayward, just like my story, God, that's why I know what's possible for each and every person in this room if they'll surrender their life to you. And so this Christmas, God, I pray that we would consider you once again, whatever capacity and whatever capacity it needs to look like for each individual that will consider you who gave up heaven so that we could one day have it. We love you, Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.